0: The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com.
1: Good morning, good morning, ain't it a great morning outside, feels good folks, fall is in the air and the state fair is in town, in Jackson that is, hope to see some of y'all down there. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, this is the Gestalt Gardener, it's one of the many locally produced programs by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer today is the esteemed Kevin Farrell, we're going to be doing nothing but talking about, well got some cheesy music coming up that's garden related, but mostly it's going to be a live call in program about what's going on or not in your own garden. Again, horticulture's fell to rushing Gestalt Gardener here on MPB. We're going to take a little break for some news and come back hitting the ground running with your emails about what you could be doing or not this time of year. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back with the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this.
0: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. The National Hurricane Center says the eye wall of Hurricane Matthew is just brushing the coast of north-central Florida. The hurricane is about 45 miles southeast of Daytona Beach. National Hurricane Center Director Rick Nab told CNN coastal residents need to listen to evacuation warnings.
2: The center of action is going to be on the coast and at some points inland, and I'm really worried that folks are... Uh, letting their guard down because they think, well, the center's offshore and the track stays offshore, so I'm not going to get hit. And that is not the message we want to be sending.
0: The hurricane death toll in Haiti, meanwhile, is at least 283 people. Haiti's interim president says the situation there is catastrophic. NPR's Jason Bobian is in southern Haiti, near where the hurricane first made landfall.
3: Villages in this area were flattened by Hurricane Matthew. What used to be agricultural fields are littered with snapped tree limbs, torn strips of metal roofing and debris that used to be the contents of residents' homes. Here in the city of Lekai, every neighborhood is clogged with downed power lines, fallen trees, silty mud. People are still sleeping in crushed cinderblock homes. Hundreds more are taking shelter at a sports complex near the river. The U.N. says 1.5 million Haitians were in the zone, buffeted by Matthew's most powerful winds. Aid groups say they're finally reaching some villages that were completely cut off after the storm and they're finding people desperately in need of food, building supplies and clean water. Jason Bobien, NPR News, Lekai.
0: The Labor Department has released the unemployment rate for September. It ticked up one-tenth of one percent to five percent. The agency says more Americans were looking for work. There were 156,000 jobs created last month. That is fewer than analysts expected. Colombia's president says he is overwhelmed and grateful to have won the Nobel Peace Prize this year. He brokered peace talks with the FARC rebel group. NPR's Lulu Garcia Navarro reports the peace prize comes even though voters in Colombia rejected a peace agreement. The Nobel Committee said it gave Juan Manuel Santos the award for his resolute efforts to bring the country's more than 50-year-long civil war to an end. Voters in Colombia, though, narrowly rejected the deal after low turnout and a feeling among many that it was too lenient to the FARC rebels who have been involved in kidnapping, extortion, suspected bombings, and drug smuggling. Santos has promised to rework the peace plan despite the opposition. Both sides, the government and the FARC, have also promised to maintain the current ceasefire while the new details are being worked out. Nobel winner Santos worked for four years in tough negotiations on the original plan, saying peace is always better than war. Lulu Garcia Navarro, NPR News. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones industrials are down 36 points at 18,231. The Nasdaq is down 10 points at 5,296. The S&P 500 is down four. This is NPR News. Great Britain's currency took a beating today. The British pound plunged about 6 percent before recovering slightly. Observers were puzzled. Some suggested the so-called flash crash could be linked to strong comments from France's president on Britain's exit from the European Union. Others suggested it could be a trading mistake. Today marks 10 years since the murder of Anna Politkovskaya, a leading investigative journalist in Russia. From Moscow, Charles Maines has more.
4: Anna Politkovskaya's reporting unsparingly detailed the human rights abuses, torture, and violence of Russia's push to reassert its authority over the one-time breakaway Republic of Chechnya. And for that work, her supporters say, Politkovskaya died, shot four times at point-blank range in the entryway of her apartment building in central Moscow. She was 48 years old. At the time, President Vladimir Putin called for an objective investigation into the murder, and the ensuing years have seen a winding search for justice. Five men were convicted and given lengthy sentences in 2014. But Polotkovsky's supporters say the Kremlin has shown little interest in finding who ordered the killing. In remembrance of the slain journalist, Polotkovsky's newspaper, Nova Gazeta, today released a video again demanding justice for the decade-old crime. For NPR News, I'm Charles Maines in Moscow.
0: Officials in Malaysia have positively identified a piece of debris as from the missing plane MH370. The plane vanished more than two years ago with 239 people aboard. The piece of debris was found on the Indian Ocean island of Mauritius last May. But few pieces of debris have turned up, and they have not helped searchers locate the missing jet. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News, from Washington.
3: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Brown University School of Professional Studies, engaging professionals across the country with mid-career master's degrees in business, cybersecurity, healthcare, and technology leadership. More information at brown.edu executive.
4: You're listening to the Gestalt Gardner on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Okay,
1: folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow. Rushing. Before we get to gardening, uh Kevin, have you been to the fair yet? I have not, but I'm looking forward to going. What's your what what's the first food you go No, no, no. What's the second food you going to?
5: <laughs> um I th-
1: I always like the deep fried Oreos to be quite honest. Uh, you know I I tried those one time. I got through one and a half. <laughs> and I'm thinking nope, nope, nope. But uh, you know I always go for the uh, for the roasted corn. I yep. mean, at four dollars a pop, it's got to be bad. <laughs> I mean, it's bad for you. But it is absolutely and it plus it gives you something to talk about the rest of the night every time you smile. <laughs>
5: I decided I, I have spent too many years sort of uh, uh, going out and testing things and not being happy, so I'm going to go back and, and get the,
1: uh, the self, old
4: standbys.
1: <laughs> self-actualization here. Heck <laughs> with the research. That's right. Well, there's a bunch of stuff going on this week, folks, a lot, of, a lot of different kind of things, gardening activities. If you know of any, let me know about it. I'd be glad to promote it. But I will mention this. If you go to the State Fair, if you go down there, there is a real Cinderella story, a rags to riches uh, way back in the very back, far darkest corner of the trademark building, uh, not in the building, not not in the room with all the antique cars and trucks and things like that, but in the one that's got the jellies and jams. Way back in the back, the uh, uh, the Gardeners of Mississippi used to be the Men's Garden Club. Now so it's an inclusive group, the Garden of Mississippi. They host this flower show back there, and it's where people bring in potted plants, hanging baskets, cactus, succulents, uh, all just a plethora of incredible old pass-along-type plants. And uh, the reason I mention that, two things. First of all, uh, my friend Bill Taylor uh, brought three plants down there, and of his three plants, two, one, the... Top awards in their categories. I mean the 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 big ribbons. One is a plumeria. If you've heard of uh, frangipani or plumeria, which is uh, you know the what they make Hawaiian lays out of, he has one that's probably twelve feet tall, uh, maybe eleven, eleven and a half, twelve feet tall in full bloom, and it got one of the big ribbons. So if you haven't seen a frangipani in full bloom in Mississippi. It's right there at the state fair. Uh, he also has one of the biggest, um, what do they call it? It's, 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 not a, it's not a cactus. It's not a palm. It's a great big, uh, I can't think of the name, but got a great big uh, base to it. But anyway, the rags to riches story uh, nestled in, among the other things, is a plant that I actually entered, got a blue ribbon. Not that big a deal, could blue ribbons if you got a decent little plant, it'll get a blue ribbon. but this plant is one that was grown from a piece that was left on a curb in the trash in my neighborhood. It was about eight inches long, it had no roots, it was completely shrivelled. I was walking the dog, I picked it up several years ago, brought it home put it in some water repotted it pruned it up fertilized it uh and from uh, from almost death near death it's one a blue ribbon Cinderella story and it's called Chinese evergreen some of you know it as a great indoor foliage plant uh the latin name is Aglionuma. but anyway if you want to see a real Cinderella story look for the um for the the plant back there that's uh that green and variegated got a blue ribbon on it and it's called the uh, Chinese evergreen, Aglionema. It's a lot of fun. A lot of stuff going on right now, and uh, I want to mention one other thing, Kevin. Uh, I was dr- driving in this morning. I went up to Oxford yesterday. Uh, Oxford's got t- one of the best, if not the best, community garden in the state. And I met with those folks and a couple of school gardens, the, the food to farm to to, to school uh, program. But I took some plants up there with me, some chives, some oregano, some parsley, and three different kinds of kale. Now, are you a kale eater at all?
5: Uh, uh, I have started eating kale. Uh, I uh, get the, the Blue Apron, you know, where they send the food to you and you and fix it up. Ah. And it's, it's always very fancy. So I've become a bit of a kale eater, yes.
1: Well, my truck, it was all, I mean, my Jeep was, was the windows were up all night. I got it this morning and it, and it smelled like I'd eaten every bit that <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, I have a truck that smells like kale, um... Whatever. Fill, fill in the blank. It's <laughs> great. Anyway, I just had to throw that in. I don't know if we can say stuff like that on MPB, but here we go. <laughs> we're going to be talking about gardening, folks. You want to give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring Got a couple of uh, emails I want to share with you. And it's time to to uh, share, to dig and share red spider lilies. But let's start out by doing what I said we are going to do and uh, talk about gardening. Let's go to Columbus. Good morning, Nick. Thank you for calling, man. What's up?
6: Hey, Phil, how are you this morning? Fine, fine. A
1: question. Yeah.
6: Uh, tomato plants, uh, I have had to plant in the same location because I don't have any other place to plant them from year to year. Uh-huh. So they're in the same place. When I pulled them up this year, the roots seem to have a lot of Nodules and knots and stuff yep. like that on them. Yep. Uh, is that a sign of nematodes?
1: No. Yeah, yeah that is nematodes. Uh, as they, uh, right. you know, they're they're microscopic. They're tiny, and as they feed on the roots, it grows that little knot around them. root knot nematodes. Yep. Is what it's called.
6: All right. Now let me ask you this. How many years do I need to uh, not plant in that location before they will be uh, avoided of the nematodes?
1: Well, keep in mind, too, you know, nematodes, root knot nematodes, can get all sorts of plants. You know, beans and and uh, and peppers and squash and you know all sorts of stuff. So it's not just tomatoes. You know, they're they're like little tiny worms in the soil, and as long as there's something for them to feed on, they'll be there. And they make these little this little type of a cyst, like a little cocoon that they stay in. They can last for. Who knows how many years. So anyway, there's not much you can do about nematodes. There are some things you can put out there that will knock their numbers down. And if you keep your plants fertilized and, and watered, they can actually grow new roots. In other words, they can outgrow the damage if you really, you know, take care of them without pushing them too much. But um uh, okay. and th- you know, there's a couple of products, there's uh there's one, hmm, I can't remember the name of it, clandosan or something. Anyway, it's made out of crushed up shrimp shells. Which, believe it or not, the yep. shrimp shrimp shell stuff not only has nitrogen, but it cuts the little nematodes up. And uh, so, you oh, know, there. Okay. Uh, another thing you could do—they don't like soils with a lot of organic matter. So, if you'll dig down deep and add plenty of compost to your soil or manure, the the plants can actually outgrow the nematode damage, and that'll help a good bit.
6: Okay, you've answered my question. I appreciate it very much. Okay,
1: you know, down the road you may end up needing to grow stuff in five gallon buckets set on top of that dirt.
6: Well, I do grow stuff in five gallon buckets, but I also have a garden that uh, that, yeah. that I have the nematode problem.
1: Now you're going to hear, uh, uh, Nick. Some people say that marigolds will repel nematodes. You may have already heard that. Not I have. it's not true. But what they have found, if you grow marigolds one year and then dig them in, you know, cut them down, chop them up, and then dig them into your dirt, uh, sort of like compost, that will repel nematodes. So that's how it works. Right. Just, just growing marigolds, all they do is attract spider mites. But, you know, if you can find somebody that's got a bunch of marigolds and just take those, put them on top of the dirt and stir them in, that'll help uh, probably about as much as anything. So there's some truth to that.
6: Very good. I appreciate that very much.
1: Good luck, Nick. Appreciate your call, man. All righty, one eight seven seven MPB ring. I got a box of daffodils in the mail day before yesterday. All new kind, little small dwarf type of daffodils, and uh, put some in my yard. I'm gonna wait uh, another few weeks till my truck gets repainted and replant the truck garden. I'm gonna put some in there. But let's go down to Mobile. Good morning, Jean. How are you? Good morning. Are you awake this morning? So far, so good. The coffee and the, between the coffee and the antihistamines, I got a little buzz going. <laughs>
2: Not neutralize
1: one another. That's right. What can I help you with?
2: Okay, I got some glads and a diet in the bed, and I'm going to rework the bed, and I want to pull those bulbs up and see what's the best way to save them if you can.
1: Well, the glads are well, they're they're both easy to say. I've visited, but oddly enough, I've given three lectures in Alaska. And there's a big dahlia society up there, and they dig them up every year mm-hmm. and replant the next spring. What you need to do is dig them up and kind of be careful because they'll have the little pointy buds for next spring already. Really? So Yeah, dig them up kind of gently. Just sort of shake the dirt off. Don't don't brush them too much. And if you'll just keep them in like paper bags or something till spring and replant them then. You know, okay. indoors.
2: How
1: about the Glad, same thing? Yeah, uh, is real, real easy. I mean, you can dig those things up and throw them in your sock drawer in and, and a couple of years. No, from no, after, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that they're, they're real easy. Glad would just them in my greenhouse. That'd be our one. Uh, I wouldn't keep them in the greenhouse. Greenhouse is warm and humid. I'd put them in paper bags and keep them indoors where it's cooler and drier. Not their frizz, but right. gr- greenhouse a little too, too warm and too humid over the wintertime.
2: Okay. I'm going to refresh that. Refresh that dirt and
1: everything, rebuild that bed. So that's what I need to know what you going to add to it. What you
2: going to? Well, I'm going to just pull that dirt out and put some better dirt in there, and that's. I got all kind of mulch and stuff, and uh, I don't never throw a leaf away. But it, anyway,
1: is it pretty good dirt to begin with, just absolutely, ease freshening? Absolutely. Let me let me suggest this. Instead of digging up, throwing away, why don't you dig down a little bit deeper and bring some of the the deep down stuff up, and then add fresh, rework that, and then add fresh to it.
2: Oh, okay. Someone's well, got a bunch of worms, and so I know it's pretty good dirt."
1: Yeah, well, what I do is I go down, you know, a little bit deeper, you know, get into the to the harder stuff, you know, inch or two below where you normally go, and bring that stuff up, and then just add you know, dig it up really good first, then add some fresh stuff to that combination because you've already got all sorts of good mycorrhizae and worms and stuff like that, and, and I'd hate to see if you if you decide to throw it away, let me know. I'm gonna come get it.
2: I didn't know I had no mycorrhizae, but anyway, I'll take
1: care. <laughs> And don't be scared. All right. Thank you. You bet, Jean. By the way, mycorrhizae is not a fungus, it's not a bacteria, it's not a worm, but it is this thing like a fungus that grows on plant roots and into plant roots. Sometimes they go into it, sometimes it wrap around it, but mycorrhizae extend the the roots ability to absorb nutrients. Uh, uh, all sorts of goodies from the soil. That's one of the reasons why dogwoods don't grow really well. Dogwoods in the woods need mycorrhizae. They ex- they can extend the roots of a uh, dogwood by 200%. When you buy a dogwood at the store, potting soil doesn't have mycorrhizae. So if you've ever had trouble with a struggling dogwood, go out and find a real dogwood, a dogwood that's growing really, really well, and up under the branches, dig some of that real shallow, crumbly, you know, the, the shallow dirt. And then, while it's still fresh, stir it into your dirt and inoculate it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break, folks. We've got a couple of callers on the line, and uh, both of them down close to the coast. Glad to hear from y'all. I was up in north Mississippi yesterday, but we're going to take a little break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. I'm Horticultural horticulturist, Russian, Rushing. Got me a box full of daffodils. Got me a jeep full of kale and chives and parsley and so many other things. It's time to plant if you can get them. A little warm. Go to the state fair, calm down, relax, eat some taffy, visit the flower show, dig your dirt, then give it a week or so to settle down before you plant. Plenty of stuff we can do right now, but we're going to just be talking about it here on the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back.
6: For the Gestalt Gardener comes from Old House Depot:
7: antique
5: windows, doors, shutters, flooring, and exposed beams. Architectural salvage, custom carpentry—you name it. Open nine to five, Monday through Saturday. Six thirty-nine Monroe Street in Jackson.
6: OldHouseDepot.com.
4: This is MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
0: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio.
4: You're listening to The Gestalt Gardner on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial one 877 Ring. That's 877-672-7464, or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio.
1: okay old folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. We've got a nice team full of folks in there, uh, uh, Jason and Kevin, trying to get us all hooked up to this thing we call a garden party. And uh, I'm going to be talking with Lena now. Down in Arborville. Hey Lena, good morning. Or is it Lena or Lena? How you doing? Uh you got Lena. a you got a lemon tree is it your lemon out in your yard? I I bought it in a
8: pot. It's a My's lemon improved. Uh-huh. And I was just one I bought it a couple of weeks ago. It's still in its pot from the nursery.
1: Should I plant it now, or wait until the weather cools off and more of the rain comes? Oh, well, it'd be easier to wait. <laughs> uh, what I would do is I would say, Lena, I would start digging the hole first, you know, because if you try to do it all at once, it's going to half kill you to do it right. So what I would do is I would go in and dig the hole a good solid foot deep and maybe three feet across, you know, maybe not a foot deep, three feet, right in the middle at least a foot deep, three, maybe four feet across, loosen it up, and then cover it with some some tree leaves. So that way, that bit will be done. And if you uh-huh. if you take you a couple of times to get it done, in other words, take your time and dig the hole right. And, uh, you know, if you want, it just the main thing is keep it watered, you know, don't let it get totally dry. And, and is it a big tree?
8: No, it's uh, it has like a main stem and two little branches branching oh. off from
1: the top. So it's, okay. it's an immature thing. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. ne- next year when it branches out, you know, just leave some of the branches are growing up and out, and don't let it get all crowded. Uh, another thing, uh, and you probably already know this, but when you pull a plant out of a pot, it's really important to gently loosen the potting right. soil and the roots. Stir yeah. that into your dirt. And I'm not sure how well Myers-Lemons going to do on the Gulf Coast because, you know, they have trouble even in central Florida with them sometimes. But uh, somebody told me they were down uh, uh, down in Hammond, Louisiana, yesterday picking uh, satsumas and say the satsumas are coming in like crazy right now. Well,
8: yeah, I have a uh, satsuma tree, too. They're just starting to turn, turn yellow, Yeah. I? Them now?
1: Oh, no, no no, 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 no. The long, the long, I mean, they'll, they'll, it's like a tomato. If you pull a tomato early and it's showing a little color, it will turn red and get softer, but it won't get sweeter. The longer you leave these on the tree, the more, the more uh, 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 juice, the more flavors can be pumped into it. So leave them until you, you know, the you know, the, as long as you can, they get sweeter and better for you.
8: But some uh, something's picking some of them, and they're rotting on the stem. So that's
1: well, why. Well, yeah, there you know there 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 are some diseases out there, especially when we had a wet year. Like you know, we had a real wet spring and, and early summer, and diseases splashed around a whole lot there. But you know, picking them early, you know, they're going to get stuck right there. Then I could get any sweeter, mm-hmm. any juicier, anything like that.
8: Well, thank you so kindly. Okay, Lee. To you all the time and come to
1: see you when you're in our area too. Okay, have, have to talk to the folks at the library and let's get me back down there and have some fun.
8: Okay, thank you. You
1: bet. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. I had a really good time up yesterday in Lafayette County. I visited a couple of school gardens. Uh, they've got this this uh, farm to food. They're showing uh, kids, you know, the, how to grow stuff, including some food, and they're actually using some of it in their cafeterias. Learning a lot of stuff. It's not about gar- you know, gardening is not in. School curriculum. It's not in there. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, a lot of uh, uh, teachers and parents don't want their kids gardening because it looks like they're trying to put them back on a farm. And I totally get that. But the teachers are using them as outdoor classrooms, teaching math and science and art and history and geography and all these kind of things. But they're using plants. Is a is a vehicle, I guess. Anyway, you know, had a great time talking with the folks from the community garden and the in the public. Uh, we just uh, backed my truck up, pulled a bunch of stuff out, stood up there and yakked and answered questions. Love to come to communities and do kind of a general fun gardening talk. But uh, let's stay down on the coast and go to Mobile. Hey, Phil. Good morning. Good I mean, morning. Gulfport. Sorry, you're in Gulfport. Sorry.
6: Yes, and I've also got a tree question. Yeah, I've got a beautiful, massive. Tree trunk or triple trunk red maple in my front yard about 20 feet to 30 feet in front of my house.
7: Uh huh.
6: And it, the, the root network has kind of surfaced in areas, the larger roots. But around the tree, probably oh, 10 feet or 20 feet out, I have a network of small roots that are all on the surface. Yeah. So it's, the dirt's washed away. It's literally like a net.
1: Yeah, that's They're normal. All the
6: size of your finger.
1: That's normal.
6: Can I, uh, would I damage the tree if I? Cut
1: those back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you stick your arm straight out, and wiggle your fingers. That's what the roots, uh, the, where the roots that feed the tree. They absorb nutrients right. and all like that, and they're all connected to the tree through those things that are on top of the ground. And the reason on top of the ground, Phil, because for some reason your ground is hard or stays wet or, or or whatever, and they can't breathe down deep. So you have things like maples that need air as well as water. the The roots tend to stay real shallow. If you cut them, uh, you know that cuts off the the tree's ability to feed and, and water itself. Okay. But now here's a couple of things, and also if you cover them up with dirt, the new ones just going grow up on top of it because they're right. they're telling you that. What I would do is I would first of all when the when the leaves start to fall, rake or blow them up under the tree. Let it be a real natural mulch. And a lot of botanic gardens, you'll notice the trees are di- you know they put a distinct uh, uh, like like a little ditch around the outer edge of the branch, and they. Cover the uh, under the tree with mulch. Down the road, you could put you some monkey grass or something like that to fill in. But let you know that's, that's part of the tree, and uh, it's not going to be. It, it's not part of the lawn. But now you've got a tree, tree roots, and then the lawn is outside that. So if you can make All a right. distinct line between the two, and just put leaves and mulch, and maybe down the road plant a ground cover, that's the only way to deal with that.
6: Well, we need to put a walkway, a cement walkway, about. 10 or 15 feet away from the tree that's
1: that's not a problem you know if you if you'll think of the tree as a as a pie the outspread of the branches is the pie uh you know you don't want to cut off more than about a third or fourth of that pie okay see so if you need oh. to put a walkway down you know one side as long as you're not up close to the trunk then and don't mess with the, the roots on the other side you should be okay
6: all right well i thank you as always I appreciate it you
1: bet phil thank you uh-huh. MPB, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're talking about gardening. We're staying on the Gulf Coast over to Ocean Springs. Hey, Louise, good morning.
7: Hey, Fowler, good morning. Howdy. I have three things on my mind, and i make it quick. One of them is I just got back from southern Germany, and there was a lot of growth in my yard to be cut back, which I did, and I burned it because my compost pile is already huge. Uh uh-huh. So I burned it. What do I do with the ashes? Put them on your There's compost.
1: Well, or scatter them around your shrub. And ashes are actually good for plants. The only plants I would not put ashes under because they're extremely alkaline, they're highly alkaline, and they're water soluble. So when you put them out there with a good rain, it soaks them straight in and it can temporarily over um, alkaline your, your soil. I would not put them under azaleas, camellias. Or blueberries, because those are acid-loving plants. But you can scatter them over the lawn. You can put them under your, you know, your trees. Anywhere except azaleas, blueberries, and camellias, and they'll do fine.
7: That's what I needed to know. Secondly, one of my lemon trees has never produced a lemon. I have, I had one lemon tree that was wonderful, but it was ruined when I had the septic tank replaced. And you now <laughs> I have one little lemon tree, and it has big things growing up toward the sky, which I'm about to cut off. I think. Do you
3: think
1: it'll ever produce, or does it need a partner? Um, no, no, they don't need partners. They're self-pollinating. one You know, one citrus plant can make fruit by itself. Um, and I don't know why yours wouldn't, because, you know, we haven't had the really really the late frost that usually kill the flowers. Uh, about the only thing I could suggest, and this is kind of a general approach that, that, that can work, is thin out this winter, you know, when they drop the leaves, thin out some of the the, the limbs and then thin out some branches that are on the limbs that are left. Don't leave any kind of stubs, but just take a few limbs out and then a few branches off what's left. And the energy that would have gone to what you cut off will go into what's left. And that might help.
7: I'll do that. And now according to your suggestions, I want to I want to put a Garlic clove into the ground and see what happens. You yeah. have to do it in October, so I'm going to do it. Any suggestions?
1: Have you got you it? got you got some already? You already got some garlic. I bought it in the store. Okay, uh, those will those can do. We have two kinds of garlic: the kind that really likes cold weather, the kind that doesn't, and they'll both do fine. But the some from the stores a lot of times they're a little bit later to produce. But yeah, work up the dirt a little bit and put it oh two or three inches deep. And then give it uh, just a little bit of fertilizer, just a, just a pinch of fertilizer. And the leaves are going to come up uh, over the winter. And in the spring, late spring, they may send up a flower stalk. It'll look like a, a round thing with, a, you know, a, a, like a, a pointy thing on. Pop that off so the energy doesn't go to the flower. And then when the leaves start to turn yellow uh, next probably May or so, that's when you can dig it up.
7: They grow under the ground, they don't come up on on something no, like that's
1: power. right, that's right, it's a bulb you know you you get that 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 bulb of garlic that's got the individual cloves in there. Yeah. those are what you plant. see, so you got one bulb of garlic, you may have six or seven or more cloves, and each one grows into a whole new bulb next year, so plant All the right. individual cloves, not the whole bulb. I
7: might plant two or three okay, yeah. thank you so much,
1: you bet appreciate it. Oh, I got a whole bunch of garlic. I think I've got six different kinds of garlic. I ordered them that are supposed to do really, really well in the South. They they like a mild winter, and uh, they're not the kind that store as well. But uh, but you know who cares? They store plenty long enough. I like to plant mine with pansies or or a viola, something like that, because that way, because they, they're just tall, strappy foliage. It's nice to have a skirt of pretty flowers around the base of it. Let's go down to Mobile. Hey, making good morning. Hi there. Howdy. Um, I-
5: I am calling from Mobile about some Confederate jasmine. Okay. Um, I have this ginormous bush. It's probably 10 feet wide by like 8 feet tall, and I believe it was attached to a post. I rent this house, so I don't know how long ago it was planted, Uh but the post rotted and fell over. Um... I was wanting to cut it back, and also it has a bunch of blackberry brambles in it, (laughs) and I wanted to clear all that out, but this thing is so scary. I don't know how to cut it back, when to cut it back, and how to handle it.
3: Yeah, First
1: of all, confederate jazz is probably the most popular flowering vine in the South, and I just found one that has uh, golden-colored flowers. OK, and yeah, I got,
3: I'm you yeah, about I got a
1: whole bunch of root and we're going to we're going to uh, get them into production. I've got about, oh, three dozen or so plants out of the, the one vine that I cut. Uh, but anyway, they bloom in the spring. See, see so mm-hmm. if you cut it back now, it's going to be 2000, 2018 before you have flowers again. <laughs> see, so okay. he, he, here's what I would do. Uh, are you going to try to put a post back up?
5: I don't know what I want to do with it. It's just so big, and I yeah. have a little fort that I built out of pallets for my son, <laughs> and it's like taking over it, but the blackberry brambles are so bad, and I yeah. don't want them to catch on him, so I well, want to get rid of those. Yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're two separate issues. What I would do is I would get yeah. you some gloves, and after uh-huh. you get some rain, wait till we get some rain, and, uh, and once the ground is moist, you can grab the, the blackberry brambles at the ground and pull them up and get as many of the roots out as you can. Okay. You know, it rather than just cutting it back, pull it up roots and all and that's best grab with glove down by the ground when the ground is moist. And the Confederate jasmine, you know, cut out the stuff that is in is that you know, that's in the way, but leave some of it unpruned so you have some wonderful fragrant flowers next year. The little boy's going to grow up and no telling where he could end up, you know, anywhere in the world, but he will always remember mom and that Confederate jasmine because of the way it <laughs> smells. I mean, smell yeah, is a real powerful I really one. I
5: wanted it to cover his fort because it's so cool and it smells so good. Yeah, well, just,
1: just you know, lift it up and, and drape it over the fort. And, uh, and you know, if you want to cut the blackberry brambles back, you know, leave a little mm-hmm. stub so you have something to grab later. Okay, that's awesome. He's going to do some stuff that's going to really irritate you. And you're going to need to get out there and do something that just to, to blow <laughs> off some steam. And pl- pr- pruning blackberries is a good way to do it.
8: Yeah, he's almost two, so we're getting
1: there. <laughs> okay. You need to hug that boy while you can. Ten years from now, his testosterone is going to start dripping, and you're just going to kick him, you know, so just hug him while you can. <laughs>
5: I'll, just, I'll just go pull brambles when I need to.
1: If you get a chance, uh, shoot me an email, Megan, about some, and i give you some ideas of some real fun, simple things that you and he can do together that are sort of garden-related, but he doesn't have to know much to do, it, or you either for that matter.
5: Wonderful. Shoot I'm me an a email. potter, and so he loves playing in dirt and clay and all that. So we, we, his hands
1: there,
8: dirty, he's all about it.
1: There's some wonderful ideas i picked up all over the world about about uh, working outdoors, and ha- little art-type projects that kids can enjoy, instant gratification. You'll, you'll enjoy spending the time with him.
5: Great. Thank you so much.
1: All righty, Megan. Appreciate it. All righty, we're going to take a little break. We have some cheesy garden-related music, and I chose this tune because it's uh, it's sort of a, a tip of the hat towards the community garden and the school gardens that I worked with up in Oxford yesterday. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and come back after some cheesy music. I got an email from Lynette Craft. Her her pecans are faulty. They're all spotted. And they're moldy on the inside. It's very common. It's a disease called scab. I don't know why. Real, real common, especially after you have a wet spring and summer like we had. Nothing you can do about it practically. But if you got faulty pecans, welcome to the club. We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm a horticulturist Felder Rushing. We'll be right back.
3: This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day.
4: Daily at 4 on NPB Think Radio.
3: Sharon Horgan does not want to get divorced, especially after writing about it for her new TV show. I don't think anyone watching our show will think, I should give that a go. (laughs) (laughs) The divorce rates in the States are going to go down after (laughs) this.
9: I hope so. Wouldn't that be lovely?
3: I'm Kelly McEvers. Sharon Horgan on exploring the end of a relationship for her new HBO series, Divorce. That's later on All Things Considered from NPR News.
4: Today at 4 on NPP Think Radio.
3: One,
9: two, three. Well, I went down to the schoolyard. Here is what I found. A whole mess of kids singing songs and dig digging in the ground. I said, what is this that's going on? Explain this thing to me. They said, come along and dig with us and pretty soon you'll see they were planting trees and vegetables and blueberry bushes too these kids they had it going on yeah they knew just what to do grooving in the garden what a fine way to go if you want to guarantee you got good food to eat then grow baby grow yeah grooving in the garden everybody join all So I ran down to the town hall, said, Mayor, come. Yeah, grooving in the garden, everybody join along We're planting seeds of community and singing a mighty song Yes, we're planting seeds of community and singing a mighty song
4: You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio.
1: Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Um, Gestalt Gardner here on MPB. Hey, Kevin, you know, we like to keep up with uh, current events, right? You know, on top of stuff. Absolutely. It's not all just hurricanes and state fair and all like that. But, you know, there's this thing going around where some people are dressing up like clowns and creeping people out. Right. Well, we've come up with a solution at my pub last night. Okay. (laughs) If you're attacked by a, a, a mob of clowns. Go for the juggler. <laughs> <laughs>
3: ah, very good,
1: very good. <laughs> oh, let's go to Suzanne and Purvis. Hey, Suzanne. Good morning. Hey, howdy. What's up?
3: I thought you were talking about the clown.
1: I was, and now we're talking to you. Oh
3: well, I was curious about the solution, y'all. Came oh, yeah, up yeah, with yeah. You um, if you if
1: you attacked by a bunch of clowns, you go for the juggler.
3: There you go.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, uh, we got problems in Purvis. Yep. We had a um, swimming pool put in, and and, the, and we had some dirt delivered, uh-huh. uh, free dirt. It was free, and then my dogs turned up with ringworm, and I even was uh, raced with a ringworm.
1: Yeah, that's and every. If you didn't have ringworms as a kid, you weren't raised right.
3: That, well, that's probably true. <laughs>
1: it is true. It's uh, and by the way, you know ring. Ringworm is a is a' is a it's a, is a, is a real common temporary infection you get it's not something that's bite it's not really a worm oh it's a, it's like a little I don't know if it's a fungus bacteria anyway it's a it's it's something you get from playing in the dirt and it's just temporary okay so it's
3: a but this is a this thing is nasty and it um it's I, I wonder if it's from that dirt it could be from the barn you know we've got horses and sometimes the dogs go out there and mess around in the horse manure.
1: Yeah, but so you, you're talking about little circular infection looking things, right?
3: Yeah, but kind of big circular. And, yeah. Um, we had it um, scraped, and the the doctor said, Yeah, that's ringworm. Yeah,
1: ring. And, ring, and So what did he say do about it? Nothing? Just put some salve no, on it? And,
3: it's, I had to take Lamicil and, and ketoconazole cream and whatnot. Huh. But it's. But the weird thing is, my sister was visiting. It's been three weeks. And last night, she sends me a picture and says, Look at this. And she's got one. And I mean, this is. It doesn't look like a normal ringworm. It's just just raised and ugh, yeah. terrible. But okay. How do we? Can we get rid of it? Where the will the cold weather get rid of it? Should we put nope diatomaceous earth? Nope. out? Should we put lime? What okay. Can I First do? of
1: all, if it's ringworm, ringworm is not a worm. It's I uh, I don't again. It's I don't fungus. know if it's bacteria, it's fungus. fungus, and one of those kind of things. And you know, there's yeah. the, we don't have anything that will kill those things. Oh. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you can kill a bug or a worm or a snake or a cow or something like that, but fungus, you know, you, you know, you can't, we don't have anything, fungicides clown, don't kill fungi, Right.
3: I can kill a clown. All right, so there's nothing I can do to that dirt to make this go away.
1: No, and not only that, but I'll tell you, if anybody tells you different, they're either ignorant or they're up to something. Okay. Now I, I'm real sure. If if it is ringworm, if it's a fungus or bacteria, we don't have. You know, fungicides don't kill fungus. What they do is they put a protective film over nearby areas to keep the fungus from spreading, but it doesn't kill oh. the fungus. Oh gosh! So anyway, it's just one of them things. One, uh, one of them things.
7: Okay. We'll
1: and uh, up with l- the clown. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: You know why? Uh, you know why cannibals don't eat clowns? Why? They taste funny. <laughs> Goodbye. Billy Billy. <laughs> uh, let's go to Olive Branch. Hey, Amanda. Good morning. Good morning. We've gone from pirate jokes to clown jokes. Help me out. Well, what can I help you with?
8: <laughs> hostas. Yeah. Um, my
5: hostas are looking sad. They it's been so dry here, and they've been burned by the sun. And I need to get my flower beds fixed up. And I was wondering if I can pinch them back or cut them back or. I think waiting for the freeze to put them out of their misery is just yeah. gonna to take
1: too long. Okay. First of all, let's 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 look at uh, something a little bit more general. The 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 Hosta Society of America. The headquarters is in Hopkins, Minnesota. The further okay. north you grow, further north you grow, the better hostas grow. Down here, even in Olive Branch, up in North Mississippi, they suffer because they're used to to sprouting in in uh, late April or May and dying down in September. We have a much much longer, hotter, harsher growing season. See, so at this time of year, they're supposed to look bratty. They look bad at the Botanic Garden. You go to Memphis Botanic Garden, they have a hostage society. Theirs look terrible, too, because they're they're worn out. You know, they've been growing since, what, late March, April.
3: Right,
1: So, anyway, to answer your question, if you go ahead and cut them down, you know, they're not going to miss that stuff. They'll just think they're in Minnesota in the curva with snow.
8: Okay, and, uh, so and, I can trim them up and yeah. kind of help yeah. them look yeah. a little bit better. Here. Yeah,
1: you know, just as soon as it gets cold, they die down completely anyway.
5: Right. And we're right. you know, and I we, just didn't think I could wait for the freeze because it seems like we're never going to have one at this point. Uh,
1: you know, oddly enough, according to the USDA and, and uh, Mississippi State's uh, 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 climate stuff, this this week is actually the average first frost for North <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> mm, I don't That's, think we're gonna make it this year. I don't either. But anyway, the, my my hostas, uh, you can't. Even, some of mine are completely died down in Jackson because of drought. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but they'll be mm-hmm. back. They'll be back just fine.
5: Okay, okay. I'll oh, give them a, a whack. Let me let me, for get, your help. let
1: me give you a real quick tip. Go online okay. and Google a plant called Arum, A R U M, italicum. Arum italicum. Okay. Arum italicum. Painted Arum. It's a little arrowhead-shaped plant with variegated leaves. You plant it with your hostas because they look like hostas with arrowhead-shaped leaves. They come up in the fall when hostas die down. They die down in the spring while hostas come up. So you got, like, all your hostas. Right. It's a great... Arum, I just, I, italicum. Yeah, uh, just called Painted Arum. I just got a... a, a, a a whole box full of the bulbs from a place over in Virginia, that's called Brent, Brent and Becky, Brent and Becky's bulbs. But uh-huh. any place you get them, era metallicum, it's a great old uh, pass along plant. See it around older gardens all over in northern Mississippi. But once you get a start, you got a really good little companion for your hostas to keep you from worrying about stuff.
5: All right, thanks so much.
1: Okay, have fun, Amanda.
5: Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. All righty. No more clown jokes. Let's go to, uh, to Leland. Tim, I can't imagine being in the Delta this time of year. I'm from the Delta, and it can be daunting.
7: Oh, it's
6: really not that bad today.
1: Oh, no, not today, but it's been killing you the past month.
6: Oh, yeah, in general, it can get rough.
1: What can I help you with?
6: Well, I've got some kudzu growing on my ditch bank I need to get rid of. How do I do that?
1: couple of things first of all keep in mind it can't go very far in the delta because there's agriculture out there uh, but you can do a couple of things you can cut it down uh, if it's possible if it hadn't been there very long you know you try to dig up the roots but the problem is on a disbank you're going to have erosion so sometime over the winter time uh, go ahead and just cut it down you don't have any neighbors with a goat do you
6: no, sir. I wish to did.
1: Because you know, goats will eat the heck out of some kudzu. All parts That's of kudzu not are edible. Yeah.
6: the thing that
1: will. <laughs> yeah, uh, Roundup will kill kudzu if you put it on the new growth next spring. Okay. It, it won't work this time of year. Matter of fact, right now, it's, it probably. Have you noticed the flowers on kudzu? It's a. Uh, no, I haven't. I've yeah. never let it get to the flowering point. Well, if you go out there, you might find some. They look like a little upright. You know how wisteria is purple and yellow and hangs down. These are yeah. purple and yellow and they stand up four or five, six inches and they're real fragrant. They smell like great bubble gum. But anyway, if you'll cut it down over the wintertime, let the new growth come out and start to run a little bit and then okay. spray it with Roundup. That'll kill a lot of it and you'll have a little bit of regrowth and then spray that. Uh, then try not to get Roundup. If it's in a ditch, try not to get it anywhere near any kind of water. Once it dries, it's safe, but you don't want to spray Roundup out over the water because of the surfactant in it. Yeah. But but that will work. It will work. It just takes a little time. takes two two or three, two or three sprays.
6: Okay. Uh, the other question was: I've got uh, you were talking about lemon trees.
1: Uh-huh. I've got
6: Japanese uh, uzus. I think I'm saying that correct. I'm not sure. In my backyard, plenty of them. What can I do with those?
1: Wait, Japanese what?
6: The uh, uzus. It's a, a little bitty, about the size of a golf ball lemon, and it's got so many seeds in it. It's almost more seeds. A uh,
1: Real thorny plant. Yes sir. okay. This is a cool plant this is is, is a lot of people call it a trifoliate orange or wild lemon or wild orange uh it's a It's a great plant. Living. I was raised with one of those over in indianola. My grandmother had one in her backyard and it was a killer if you get near those thorns um oh, yeah. th- They have too much seed you can make lemonade. i mean this is citrus you can make lemonade with it uh, a lot of pe- country folks would use it as a source of pectin to to make their jelly set up a little bit better. But uh, you know they they got a lot of seeds. But if you can squeeze enough juice out of it, mix a little water and some sugar, you know it's just lemonade. Hello, must have lost him. Anyway, I hope he heard that. I tell you, what, let's take a quick break. We've got uh, plenty of time to talk with you about gardening. If you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring, eight seven seven MPB ring. It's toll free. Uh, if you get down to the state fair, go back to the back of the trademark building and look at the the uh, the the top. They've got one of the biggest. Maybe the biggest plumeria or fragipani in bloom in the flower show. And look for my little Cinderella story. My little uh, Chinese evergreen. Got a blue ribbon that I rescued from the curb in some trash in a neighbor's house. A lot of other cool plants and plenty of stuff to do down there. Grab you some of that roasted corn. It's an old family business. And uh, we're going to come back with more of the uh, Gestalt Gardener and your phone calls. We've got the lines open right now. Right after this, I'm Horticulture's Felda Rushing. This is one of many locally produced programs by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back.
0: This election year has been unpredictable. It can be hard to keep track of what's true and what's not, but NPR's election team wades through it all, so you don't have to be informed. Listen to this station every day.
1: Coming up this week on MPV's at issue, Cleveland school desegregation. People in charge don't want to see their difference. It's a federal court case going back 50 years. Separate, will never be equal. There's a plan to consolidate schools.
3: We think we've done everything we can do.
1: But not everyone likes the idea. If you would leave those children alone, it'd work itself out.
4: We take a closer look at Cleveland school desegregation on At Issue. Tonight at 730 on MPB TV. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio.
1: Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulturist fellow Russia got the lines wide open right now. People must be getting <clears throat> excuse me out in the garden to to enjoy stuff. I got an email uh, uh, from a lady who said her hibiscus and schefflera are losing their leaves. Want to know if there's uh, too much water, not enough? And I don't know. I don't know. You know uh, when a schefflera uh, loses. A leaf, you know, they have each one is like an umbrella with a bunch of great big leaflets. So you can lose just one or two leaves. It looks like half the plants dying. And it's normal for the older leaves, the lower ones, to turn yellow and fall off, even out in the tropics, in the woods, uh, in the the jungles. So it's normal as they put new growth on the top of the older leaves, shed Uh, hibiscus they drop their leaves if you turn them around if they're facing one way and to turn the pot around (laughs) they'll shed leaves and they turn bright yellow before they do it so uh, it could be that it stayed a little too wet or it might have stayed a little too dry but get this it could have been three weeks ago a lot of times when plants uh, get root damage, uh, there's a little delay, sometimes two, three weeks or a month before they start doing that. I do know that when you start to bring plants in this month, the hibiscus, uh, the, the uh the rubber trees, the weeping figs are notorious. When you bring them in for the winter, all of the outdoor leaves, which are used to the humidity and temperatures outside, they almost always shed but the plants put on new growth. So what I do is I cut mine back. I've got a weeping fig that's probably 45 years, excuse me, 35 years old. And uh, every year I cut it way back to bring it in, puts out all new growth. Then I put it, cut it back to put it back out, all new growth. Turn it into a hat rack and does just fine. Let's go up to Carthy's. Hey, Danny, what's going on in your neck of the woods?
6: Hey, how you doing this morning?
1: Fine. What's up?
6: Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I've always tried to grow a tomato plant. I uh-huh. never have you know, succeed with them. Um, either they they grow and they get rotten on the bottom yeah. or the tomato plants don't grow at all. Um, the dirt I have in my backyard it smells like type like sewer type. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's but, just um,
1: real heavy clay.
6: Yeah, yeah, more or less. Um what would you suggest from start to end in a five gallon bucket?
1: Okay, first of all, I you know, you can grow tomatoes in a five-gallon bucket, but you need to choose your varieties. Don't get one of these great, big, you know, always-growing type of things. Go with the bush types. There's one called celebrity. Now, celebrity doesn't produce all year. Produce a real, real heavy over a short time, then it peters out. But you can replant celebrities uh two or even three times and have a continuous supply coming on compact plants okay so stick with the uh, good varieties um uh, any of the patio type tomatoes potting soil works really really well but i would add just a little bit of agriculture lime to the potting soil because calcium is important or else the bottom of the tomatoes rot and potting soil doesn't have calcium in it a little bit just a handful agricultural, of agriculture. Yeah, mix it with some good potting soil, and get a good quality potting soil. Don't get the cheapest stuff you can find, because you want something that doesn't stay too wet and they dry out too fast. I okay. don't sell. I don't sell anything, but I can tell you, a Miracle Grow is a good one. It's not okay. the only about, one. How much lime? Uh, just a handful, a scant handful per. You know, a big heap and tablespoon per pot, and mix it in with the potting soil. And that helps a whole lot. And then right. when you when you plant them, cover the top of the potting soil with some mulch. You know some bark or something like that, so it doesn't act like a wick when the sun shines on it, and okay. that's that's pretty much what I do.
6: okay, well, I'm always' gonna, I'm going try it again.
1: okay, you know, shoot <laughs> it me seems n- like every
6: time I go my eyes or something happens to them. uh my wife loves fresh tomato sandwiches, and yep. and I do too, and uh I just never seem to you know be successful with them
1: well you know, and I hate to say this because you know nobody's really talks about it, but the truth is if you, you know your manhood's on the line here about them tomatoes. And so, if you shoot me an it. email, uh, I'll I'll be glad to help you as best I can. Good luck on uh, it, brother. <laughs> I sure thank you. Okay, can I say stuff like that, Kevin? Oh sure. <laughs> We've got time for another call or two if anybody wants to squeeze one in. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. A lot of interesting stuff going on right now. Um, but I I got a um uh, an e an email from somebody who who got heard something. And I always get in trouble with this because people, you're either hot or cold. It's black or white issue about whether to use Roundup or not. I get it. And I sound like a broken record. I'm looking for anything that tells me that I'm wrong on this. But I can't find a problem, a serious problem, with using it on poison ivy and nut grass and, you know, stuff like that in, in the garden. I'm not talking about GMOs and agribusiness and all, you know, and and monarch but habitat destruction talking about squirting on some poison anyway this uh this this lady from gilm uh, th- said she heard a guest speaker tell the audience that roundup should never be used around the roots or drip line of trees as roundup seats down is taken up by the roots of these plants and it's simply not true simply not true if you're using that much roundup uh you're overdoing it all you gotta do is wet the foliage of plants and once it dries, it won't wash off. It doesn't seep into the soil, and it's caught up by organic matter in the soil, so, uh, and it degrades in carbohydrates. So this person was an anti-chemical person. Now, I'm not in favor of chemicals. I'm not against them. I want something that's effective, safe, healthy for me and the environment. And if you use this stuff according to directions, it's not absorbed by tree trunks or roots. Just with the foliage. Anyway, there are a lot of people out there who are experts who have agendas. I don't have an agenda. I want to find out the truth. What would I tell my mother? That's what I tell my mother. Anyway, let's go up to Kazesco and talk with Randy. Good morning, sir.
3: Hey, how you doing?
6: I'm
1: fine. What's up?
6: Uh, look, I ain't had much luck growing anything this year. The only thing I grew good was the wild blackberry bushes around yeah. the place.
1: It's too wet and back I... in the spring. It wouldn't stop raining.
6: Yeah, my blackberries did really well. Uh, is But the thing is, I want to keep them growing good and, you know, make sure they produce next year. Yeah. Is there anything I need to add to the wild ones? Uh,
1: No. One thing that would help, uh, they produce on what grows in the last half of the summer. Okay. Next year, after you get through picking them, uh, cut them down to about a foot or two tall, and they'll put out all new, as soon as you get through picking, they'll put out all new growth that will be more compact with more berries the next year. Too late to prune them this year. A little okay. bit of little bit of fertilizer, pruning them back after you after you pick them, and that's pretty much it.
6: All right. Well, I appreciate
1: it. Okay. Good luck and stay stay All cool, right. stay warm and dry in Tallah County because it's going to rain soon enough.
6: Oh yeah, it always does.
1: All righty. Yeah. I you think. Have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we have All time right. to squeeze in one last call to Corinth. Hey, Judy. Sorry, we're almost out of time. What can I help you with?
7: to know how to
5: improve my chances of an azalea bush um, thriving. I've just had one removed in order to create some contour yeah. drainage
1: okay.
7: around
1: my house. But, okay, let, well, let me. Let, let me I've, anyway. I've got some good advice, but we don't have enough time to get into it. Email me, garden at mpbonline.org, because choosing the variety is the key up in Corinth. There's some that do better further south. Some that do better up in your neck of the woods. And there's some great ones that'll take the cold if we ever have cold. So uh, soil preparation, and choosing the right variety, Judy.
7: Thank you. Okay.
1: And folks, if you have questions during the week about gardening, shoot me an email garden at mpbonline.org. In, uh, Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We've had esteemed Kevin Farrell uh, producing the program today. Uh, we've had our, our boss Jason uh, being the phone greeter. We're going to be doing the same thing this time next Friday and Saturday, talking about gardening. we got programs all during the week. You want to tune in and, and uh, find something that scratches your itch. Again, horticulture's Feldrush in the Gestalt Gardener. I'm headed to the State Fair. I'm going to look at that Cinderella story plant that got a blue ribbon. And I'm going to show everybody I can that I know how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.
4: This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue.